and we are live once again. Before we get going this morning, guys, I just want to say thank you to the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto, which is supporting the show. Um, I've been really enjoying playing around with this thing. It's got a lot of awesome features. I've mentioned a bunch of them already, but you know, the biggest message that I want to convey to people is that a lot of us are either telling people to buy Bitcoin right now, or if you've come to this podcast because you're learning about Bitcoin and you want to buy it, the very next step, which you should have prepped even before you buy, is how you're going to take self-custody. And hardware wallets are a great way to do that. And I found the Bitbox O2, the, Bit, the Bitcoin-only edition, to be a really awesome uh, you know, hardware wallet to help you take custody and self-sovereignty over your money. Um, so if you want to learn more, there's a ton of great uh, features that this product has. It's open source. You can connect via, via Tor. It's compatible with a lot of multi-sig wallets. Um, it's 109 euros just for a bit of price information. But for all the juicy details, you can go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapid fire for 5% off. Dylan, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, happy to hop on. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to have you, man. I've been, you know, cons watching your... Uh, consuming your content on Twitter for a while. I really like your output there and, and, and hearing your thoughts on things. And I've also read uh, some of your articles um, and the most recent one, the one that you sent me, I don't know if that's been released yet. Has it been or this week? No, I, uh, it's, it's pretty long, um, but I just drafted it up. I'm still kind of picking away at it, but yeah, I'm um, just wrote a little bit about uh, the long-term debt cycles and, and some of the frameworks from, from Ray Dalio. Um, and like, he's, you know, he's, been pretty successful um, and has a pretty good, uh, pretty good way of thinking about things um, and kind of just applied that to, to Bitcoin. Yeah, he has been successful, though. His um, understanding of Bitcoin seems to be uh, lagging behind in that, in that particular respect. But look, man, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you was, um, and you know, I don't mean this in a condescending way at all, but like you're a young guy, right? You're 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, and uh, your writing is is really great. You know, I, I written, I've read some of the stuff that you've done for Bitcoin magazine and I read over the draft that you sent over a couple of days ago. And, um, I'm just kind of blown away by the clarity of thought and, and, uh, how you're putting everything together and how you're constructing these arguments to, you know, obviously help people understand what's going on. And, uh, I just, you know, I kind of want to get inside the mind of a 20 year old who's down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, you know, like how you got there and, and, that, that whole story. So uh, I know some of this might be personal. If any of it you don't want to share, you just let me know. But uh, how did this all get kicked off for you? Yeah, I'm happy to share. Um, so yeah, I'm 20 years old. Uh, I, was, I was in college last year, attended the University of Vermont um, at the business school. Uh, I, I had an interest in economics. Um, and now, I don't know, I was just, I've kind of always been a numbers guy, like actually like kind of hated writing. <laughs> Um, it's not like my, my strong suit. Um, so went to, uh, yeah, I was enrolled first year, um, and I was learning a lot of Keynesian, uh, Keynesian economics and, and in parallel, I'm, I'm on Twitter, not really, uh, contributing or putting out anything, but just, just kind of like, you know, observing and, and Bitcoiners in general, it seemed like a lot of signal and not a lot of noise, you know, and just truth first principles kind of stuff. And um, I'm, I'm listening to like four or five podcasts a day, reading a lot. And in, and in parallel, I'm paying to go learn this stuff that I don't even believe in, that it, it just like 
when you, you know, dig into first principles and some of the stuff that you learn uh, at, at a university, at a business school, like it just didn't add up. Um, and so last year in March, we get sent home because of COVID. Um, and that was when everything shifted just to Zoom, just to online learning. And then the value prop and the disparity of the two became like glaringly obvious where, okay, I'm paying for this basically propaganda. Um, <laughs> and, and, and like at the same time, I'm, I'm really not even paying attention to that. And I'm consuming 100% Bitcoin. I'm reading, I'm learning all this stuff for free, for, for free. And, and the opportunity cost is, is to not stack. Um, so I dropped out, uh, picked up a, a manual labor job for the last like six, nine months. Um, and at the same time, just kind of posting on Twitter. Uh, and just recently, about a month ago, I, I started up at Bitcoin Magazine. Um, and so I do a little bit of writing. And also like my main job is to kind of, to get, to get plebs, you know, who want to have their voices heard to contribute. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a, a long, long rabbit hole journey. Just like, I mean, nothing special. I wouldn't say like I'm, I'm unique in that regard. It's just a lot of podcasts, a lot of books, um, and just kind of seeking truth. Man, I love that story. You know, it's such, even when I, I went to university, uh, I want, you know, I wanted to drop out of high school in grade 11 and just go travel and, you know, see what I could make of, of myself. And I just got corralled to stay in. And then I did a, a, a gap year after high school. And I was kind of like hanging around. So I took a few courses at the university, just not wanting to be a lazy ass. Right. And unfortunately, it kind of rolled into a degree after all. But like even at that time, I was like, this is stupid. Like I'm not learning anything really of value here unless you're going to do a hard science like engineering or chemistry or something. But if you're going to do business and certainly if you're going to do any of the social sciences like you know, are, is it worth, like you said, is it worth the opportunity cost? Because I know a lot of buddies that went to high school with me that came out and went right into like, let's say construction or the trades or whatever. And they were making, you know, hundred grand a year. And most of them probably didn't manage it responsibly, but you could have, right? Like you could have done something with that. And then certainly once Bitcoin emerged, the opportunity to stack, but it's just amazing how the, 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 the calculation is so backwards that like someone like you, I mean, it's so like you're, you're willing to withdraw from that system completely just to take like a manual labor job because the, the economic calculation of doing that and stacking is so much in your favor rather than taking on debt or spending to get something that ultimately doesn't really enhance your economic value very much. Yeah, I mean, it, it was basically all an economic decision. Um, I, I read, I was reading a lot and I read The Price of Tomorrow and then right after... Um, I had already read the Bitcoin standard like a year or two back. And that was like one of the aha moments. I'm sure everyone that reads that book has. Um, and then I read the price of tomorrow and the sovereign individual back to back. Um, and Powerful. that was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my worldview was kind of like broken. Um, but I realized like um, in the sovereign individual, it talks about like the information elite and, and how in, in this world, like, credentials like you know like the, the fiat credentialism like it doesn't matter you know in, in the arena of ideas it really doesn't um and so that was for me like my, my best um the, the best thing i could do for my future self was to accumulate capital to save and and the opportunity cost of going to school and not like it wasn't you know it wasn't too expensive for me it wasn't 50 grand a year like 
I got good grades, I'm a good student going in state. Like it wasn't crazy, but the opportunity cost was saving hard money. <laughs> um, and so that, that was obviously huge. Um, and so I went up to my parents and it was at first, like, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily easy to explain it to them, but I've been kind of, you know, I was berating them with a uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin content for, for a year and, and they believed in me and, and said, uh, you know, chase your dreams. Uh, so, so it worked out, it worked out great. Um, super happy with the decision. Uh, and I've, I've been on a mission to kind of orange pill everyone in my life since. So. And how, how successful has the orange pilling been going? Been, it's been going great. I mean, I, I've, I was, I would say I was actually quite annoyingly persistent <laughs> over the last year or two, like the people that I really cared about. Um, and then since then, like I, I have like a, a small business, it's like, con, like consulting, uh, but it's, I live in a small state, small town. So I really am trying to focus on like, on like local businesses, um, individuals, just really trying to like get everybody on the arc, you know, um, mm -hmm. especially like people in my local community. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I love Michael Saylor and I love Elon as much as, you know, the next guy. And when they buy Bitcoin, it's awesome, but it's even better when on the job site working construction, I get the guy that's never saved a dollar to start stacking sats and, 100%. And, 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 and seeing like literally seeing people's life change when, when they, you know, that, that switch flips is, is powerful. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, <clears throat> the activities of those guys like sailor and, uh, and Elon and stuff and the market cap and, and price action of Bitcoin in the last six months just makes it so much easier. Like, you know, we've we've been like crazy people for a while like telling people that this is the future and to do it but now when you have the richest man in the world backing you up and and wall street starting to take note and all the institutional adoption that's coming on board plus price action you know it's a much easier now people are coming to me that's that's what's happening like I, i'm not really if, if you if you wind me up i'll definitely give you the fire hose but i'm not like searching people out to to give it to you know whereas once before like if i was in a social situation I'd be bringing it up. <laughs> yep, totally. Yeah, I was at I was the kid at, at high school parties, like talking about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, Dylan's doing his thing again. Now it's like, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I mean, I was doing my best, but I don't know. So tell me, uh, tell. So when did you first, you know, take the orange pill? Like, when did it click for you? Um, how old were you? What was the circumstance? Because I wanna I wanna ask you a few questions around what it must have been like in a high school to be thinking and talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, around like 16, 17, 18, um, I decided like, I was just always a numbers guy. Um, so I decided to get to get into like, to try to learn like about like finance or like investing or, or whatnot. Um, I, I always like kind of wanted, wanted to be rich or, or wealth, not because like as a status symbol, because it, but because it's empowering and, and, um, uh, liberating, you know, um, money is freedom. And so, that was always a goal for me um, is to be free. So I started to try to learn how to, to invest my money. And I read like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad classic. Um, and I started reading like value investing books. <laughs> um, so I read The Intelligent Investor and, and all this stuff. Um, and I was trying to learn, you know, this system. And I was on like compound interest calculators and all this stuff and dividend stocks. And the more I started reading about, you know, uh, this 
uh, financial system. Uh, I, it, you know, just things didn't really add up. And, and I was like, oh, why, why is the Fed or why is the central bank so powerful? And in parallel, uh, just as, an, as a 17, 18 year old, the crypto space was something that like my mind was open to. You know, I, like people that have been working on Wall Street for 60 years <laughs> or 40 years, when you, when you, Bitcoin comes up, like it's something that breaks all their mental models and it doesn't make sense. But for me, I didn't have a mental model. It was just, you know, I was learning. And so same time, I'm kind of learning about the Fed's impact on a market or, or what a discount rate is. I'm learning about, I, I just kind of dabble in crypto or Bitcoin. And I, I start learning in parallel. And the more and more I dug into it, um, I was really just on a, on a, uh, on a mission to learn the more I realized that this system over here that everyone says is normal doesn't really make sense. Like you have, you have one guy that goes on and speaks in the world and the markets move up or down 5% or tank or, you know, that didn't make sense to me, but what made sense was uh, open source software that, you know, uh, nobody could change. Like, like intuitively that made sense to me. Um, so the more and more that I kind of dug into it, the legacy system really was was broken. It, it just seemed archaic, and Bitcoin made sense. I didn't it didn't all click for me, but over the, the the next year or so, I kept reading, kept learning, learned about the halvings and the difficulty adjustment and all this stuff. And the more I read, the more bullish I became. And I started, you know, consuming a lot of podcasts, a lot of reading, and and at that point, when it kind of, I would say it clicked for me when I was about 18. And so I was, I was a senior in high school, but it didn't like, like I wasn't fully orange pilled, um, but I started bringing it up to people like, Hey, you should, you should really look into this. And I was told I was over my head a lot. <laughs> and, and I'd say really like the, the full orange pill moment was this March uh, when I realized like nothing else mattered um, because it went from, okay, the legacy systems on an unsustainable path and you know, it, it doesn't look too good to, okay, it's broken. Like it's, it's, you know, it's no doubt about it. It's broken. And I think a lot of people kind of had that similar moment this past year in 2020. Um, and so that's when I went from a, like lightly shilling it or, you know, being the Bitcoin guy to like, uh, you know, cranking it up a whole another level. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was, it, it seems like we have very, a lot of similarities in our stories. Cause like I was the kid in, in my high school with my friends, like I was reading security analysis and intelligent investment and stuff when I was that age and acting like I was trying to learn about stocks and stuff and, you know, very similar motivation, but, um, and then, you know, I always spent a lot of time on YouTube when I had free time instead of, you know, watching TV and stuff. And back in the day, you know, like it was like a lot of the libertarians were talking about Bitcoin um and like the ancap people but nowadays like you youtube seems like a crypto cesspool right like we're like just the most garbage content gets the most views and it gets amplified and stuff like that so and that's the environment that you must have been walking into did you find it difficult to parse like bitcoin and shitcoin like did you walk around in shitcoin land for a while and take your licks or what was that process like honestly i got pretty lucky um i had a, just a twitter just because um, and so I started, I started just poking around um, and thankfully I've, I found the, the Bitcoin maximalist side um, before really anything else or before, you know, I, I 
I fell down shitcoin land. I think part of it was because um, I was I wasn't paying attention in 2017, but I knew some people that were, and they it was they put a you know knew a couple people that put a couple hundred bucks in that turned into five figures really quick, and then turned into zero really quick too. <laughs> um, and so I I kind of it seemed like a lot of noise, um, and so luckily I've I've only ever touched Bitcoin, um, but yeah, I think for a beginner, it's tough to navigate for sure. You know, you look up Bitcoin on YouTube and it's a bunch of people with like wide eyed, you know, their face and there's a chart. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like unbearable. Um, and so, I mean, I've been doing my best for anybody that reaches out. Um, I'll send them some stuff, but it's tough. You're like, someone comes up to you with a question. Hey, should I invest? And you're like, hey, go read this book. And, <laughs> you know. Like, um, why do I need to do that? I just watched this 10 minute video on, on YouTube. I, is it I a good time it. to buy? I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm like special in that regard. I think it was, it was definitely a little bit of luck, um, but it was definitely like, I, I think I have a, a knack for, for like one of my best traits I would say is, is like filtering noise and, and kind of understanding or figuring out who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't or who's BSing and, and who isn't just in, in life in general. Mm. Um, and so for me, like I had, I still haven't found a, a you know, a group of people um, besides the Bitcoin maximalists who are more about finding truth, you know, filtering out everything else being, you know, so, so-called toxic or, or mean or whatever to anybody that deviates from, from truth. Um, and so that was very powerful. Like I definitely found like, my people, I would say, um, yeah. just about anything like, like the ideals of not just Bitcoin and, and, you know, like people from the outside looking in is like, look at this crazy cult of people and it's all a bubble and they're all in it for the money. But it's like, Oh no, it's much more than that. It, the, my ideals of, of freedom and, and sovereignty and, and liberty that, that I had, but I didn't really know I had mm. because in the, in the current age of, bipartisan politics and, and all of this stuff it's so easy to get lost it just like intellectually lost and caught up in all the, the bs and with bitcoin it when you kind of croak it when you kind of understand it it's like you know your world your worldview gets destroyed yeah and and things become so clear on on kind of every domain but dude like when you're as you're saying that and i'm sure you realize how lucky you know, I know there's, it's not exclusively luck, but the element, whatever element of luck it is, I'm sure you realize how lucky it is to, at such a young age, see that. And like you mentioned, like finding your people and finding your tribe. And like, we obviously all feel that way, right? Like the, we all connect with Bitcoin or so well, and doesn't matter age, background, whatever, like it, it's just such a operating on the same frequency. But like for many of us, and in my, in my experience was like, I felt just the same as, as you, right? Like I, all the political bullshit was stupid. I valued freedom and independence and sovereignty and critical thinking. And I felt like not very many people around me were that way inclined, but like a lot of us had to wander around in the desert for a decade because Bitcoin just wasn't available. And so like, we just kind of had to keep the, the faith while we waited to either find or realize what Bitcoin represented and then plug into it. And like, I'm super grateful that I've been able to do that as young as I am. So I can only imagine like, that you like emerge out from high school and look out at the world and you can immediately like have 
plug into something that's so congruent with the ways that you were thinking and feeling, you know? Yeah, it, it's definitely kind of surreal. Um, and it's something that I question every day, like, am I, you know, am I wrong? Or am I right? Like what, you know, like kind of validate my thesis about about really everything, because like, my surroundings um, at school in, in high school and college, especially college, like, very liberal school, I went to the University of Vermont. Um, any like, like a lot of the the things that like the Bitcoiners believe the maximalists about freedom about sovereignty about you know like political views because Bitcoin is inherently political or apolitical maybe um, like totally the opposite of of the stuff that you know the whole my whole generation I mean I get there is there is outliers but belief like I'm I'm on like normie social media occasionally posting about this stuff like sovereignty and freedom. And people think I've just lost my, my like just, <laughs> he's off his rocker, and like like I have a shirt. It's like conservative. It's Russell Okung shirt. It's like conservative, liberal, or conservative, progressive, libertarian, all crossed out, and that says Bitcoiner. It's a great and shirt. I like, yeah, I wore that around, and people were like, just think I lost my mind. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, I, I've done my best to like articulate it or whatever, but. Um, it's tough you're like give me the five minute rundown i'm like yeah uh, good luck um so yeah i mean i definitely feel lucky um right place right time um like you know just to be born at this point like time in the world it, it feels feels pretty crazy i mean like this is definitely an inflection point for humanity um and I don't think that's an understatement at all. I don't think any of us, even even like as deep as we are down this rabbit hole, can really understand the impact that Bitcoin is going to have on the world, um, or what the world's going to look like in fifty years. I, I don't think we can even fathom. Definitely not. We 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 can't see that far in front of our noses. You know, like we we can tell that a massive change is afoot. And based on our analysis of the influence of, of sound money and technology on human civilization and humanity, we can say like the change is going to be big, but we don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, and, and every little incremental change just opens up a whole universe of new possibility. Like I had the cattle guys on the pod yesterday, right? And then, you know, so th- those guys, and then you had the Sphinx guys on Marty's pod. And then what, what Bar- Steve Barber and Gam and those guys are doing, like those three things just by themselves just like exploded a new universe of like, holy fuck, like <laughs> look at all the possibilities that stem from just those three things, right? Which weren't even existent in my perspective prior to them. So how many more things like that are gonna come down the pike in the next six months, year, two years that will dramatically reframe your perception or your image of what the future might be? And that's literally the immediate future, not like 10, 20, 30 years in the future when the Renaissance is really underway. You know, so I agree, man. It's it's unbelievably exciting to just wind up with a front row seat to this stuff. You know, like we could have been born in any other period in history, and you, you're kind of, you you know, I'm sure every period had their interesting moments and compelling, you know, things like that. But I can't think of many periods in history where you luckier than this one, right? Where where a new form of money is emerging that's going to precipitate a fairer more meritocratic, less corruptible system on which to build civilization. I mean, 
that's never really happened simultaneously, right? I mean, when, whenever gold emerged around the world, anywhere between two and 5,000 years ago, it all happened in, in separate pockets. But to happen simultaneously in a globalized world like this is like, yeah, it gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. <laughs> it's, it's insanity. I mean, just thinking about like, when, when you kind of understand Bitcoin and, and the incentive structure and, and how it's, it's changed you and to think of that happening on an individual level with 7 billion people or, you know, just around the world and what it's going to do. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's unfathomable. Um, and just thinking about all of these genius people and ideas that are being built on top of this, this protocol, this stack, like, I mean, you can, you can be just a humble pleb that stacks sats and, and holds your keys and does nothing else. And, and you benefit on the backs of, of all of these people. I mean, that's, that's what capitalism should be, right? You know, as, as society becomes more productive, uh, you, your purchasing power, your, uh, what, you can, what you can buy, like your productivity or, or uh, your standard of living um, increases as well. And like, it's a beautiful thing. A hundred percent. And, you know, even that alone is such a hard concept for, you know, normies to grasp, right? That inflation and the debasement of currency and things becoming more expensive is not, you know, the natural order of things, right? Like everything that's built today stands on the shoulders of the capital that was deployed and the successful deployments of capital yesterday, right? So think not only should you be accruing productivity gains, but like things should be, be becoming you know, you, your savings should be increasing in value to account for all the things that have been built on top of the capital stock that, you know, you were initially a part of. And, uh, you know, that's, that's another super exciting aspect of all this is like, what, what kind of a society do, do we get when deflation on a, on a sound incorruptible money system really takes hold, right? Like when we actually, we get to be the recipients and the benefactors of the productivity gains, not the people that siphon off that productivity through seniorage and through other, you know, financial manipulation. Like, I mean, because look, like if you're a middle-class person now, like, don't get me wrong, the fiat world is like the facade of fiat is everywhere, right? Everywhere. But you can have like a, a comfortable, interesting life today you know the, the technology is super cool and the creature comforts that we have are are vast and and great imagine all that stuff when a huge portion of it's not being siphoned off and when it can be more distributed amongst more people you know when the imbalances aren't so great i mean man i'm you know i'm here <laughs> for it <laughs> yeah one of the one of the major like uh, aha moments for me was was reading uh, Jeff Booth's book about and he had the like a bunch of good examples about um, exponential growth and like the inability of the human mind to to comprehend that um, there was one I was like folding a piece of paper I think it was like 50 times and it was like yeah. how 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 high is it and it was like uh, a foot five feet ten feet and it was like no it's like here to the sun and it, those numbers may be off but like our inability to understand how fast technology is moving is is it's great like we can't it, we can't fathom it and so that's been happening for i mean for like what 40 years with the internet and, and moore's law but this thing's gonna keep on going and not just bitcoin everything and so um we haven't really stood to gain or like the mass majority of people haven't stood to gain because of this inflationary monetary policy that's kind of 
you know, put a curtain over everybody's eyes, but with, with the Bitcoin standard and, and with individuals that have the opportunity to just opt into this system that, you know, system of rules and not rulers, like, and, and what that's going to do to the world. I mean, like, we're, you know, you, you talk about this every day on a podcast and like, it still melts your brain and, and same here. Like I, there's, there's so much content to, to consume. There's so much, you know, so many things going on. Like it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard, hard to, to keep comprehend. up. Yeah. It's hard to comprehend and it's hard to keep up. Um, what is it like, you know, you mentioned uh, that you used, you know, at, at parties in high school or social events and stuff, you know, you'd be the one seeming a little bit crazy. And, you know, it's funny at this point to me, it's, I hate to have the hubris of saying it's inevitable, but it seems pretty fucking inevitable at, at this point, right? Like it, it's the probability of it failing is less and less. So I kind of lean into the crazy at this point, right? Because I think there's so much good quality content out there, like books, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever, that if you genuinely are interested in like figuring it out, it's so available. So like, I kind of, I kind of put on my crazy mode intentionally with my friends now to kind of like poke them and jab them to see if they're going to actually go beyond me and, and see if anything I'm saying holds up or if they can really genuinely call me crazy. Right. I guess it's kind of a, like a fun uh, game I'm now playing to keep myself amused in, in the, in the social domain. But uh, what is it like with, you know, with you and, and your contemporaries and stuff, either now or over the last year when you've really grokked things, um, talking to your, your friends that are of, of the same age, like what, what's that been like? Yeah. Um, I live with, uh, I live with four other guys, uh, right now. Um, my college buddies from last year, um, they're all, they're all pretty orange pilled. Um, most of the people that like I'm, I'm close to, um, maybe, maybe not on like this deep of a level, but um, they've, they've embraced Bitcoin as like their savings account, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it definitely seemed a little bit crazy, like all over, like quarantine. I was, I was with a lot of family and it was like, there, it was almost to a point where it was like unbearable for some of them. They're like, Oh my God, Bitcoin again. I'm like, nothing else matters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yep. It's <laughs> like, it, I think some people like their ego gets in the way, you know, if you, you tell them about it at 8,000 and they, and they feel like they missed a the boat. And, I mean, and you see that, you see that with a lot of people, especially on Twitter and it's fun to bring up old, old takes or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think embracing the crazy, like, I don't think we're crazy. I think, I think we're, we're rational and what we're doing is, is, is prudent. It's not, I would say it's not risky at all. I would say buying Bitcoin with dollars at any price is not risky. And I tell people that with a straight face, like I, I was telling people and like, I mean, every situation is different, but I was like, it is not risky to borrow money to buy Bitcoin. It's prudent. And they're, they're, they look at me like I have three heads. I'm like, it's not, if you have cash flow, it's, it's prudent. It's not irrational. It's a math equation. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think um, what we've done is we've evaluated the world. We've, we've looked at, um, everything in front of us and, and this thing, Bitcoin is, is something that makes sense. Um, and it's just, uh, anybody that, that looks for truth and, and puts their ego aside, leaves it at the door, comes to the same conclusion. Well said, man, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and you know, I, I, I say a similar thing with, 
when we have the, the Bitcoin investing discussion, you know, people are like, oh, I'll put, put a little bit in, you know, because it's so risky and volatile. And I say, Bitcoin's the most conservative investment that you can make. And, and they, like you said, they look at you like you have 10 heads. Um, and I think it's going to take them a while to understand why that is. But, you know, that's, that's my genuine uh, belief. But um, what, what has been, you know, so over the last few months, you started doing some work for Bitcoin Mag. You mentioned the like the consulting you've been doing to try, try and help onboard people or enhance their understanding of this stuff. I mean, all that is certainly a form of validation, right? That like the more social validation and stuff like that, you know, the less it looks like you're crazy, right? Like if a if a well-known or a large publication is is willing, you know, wants to have your thoughts and publish your thoughts. I mean, that's that's a form of social validation. So how has the reaction of your your family members and your peers been? to you, you know, stepping out a bit more and, and being, you know, praised for your work. It's been cool. Um, it's, it's definitely felt good. I mean, to me, like, like I, I kind of like, like I had like self-validation a while ago, you know, like it was like, there was definitely times where like last, last, last year where I was like, am I crazy? Like, cause I was buying a little bit before and then it, uh, March 13th last year dipped on 50% and like you know I mean like just just seeing seeing the digits on the screen you're like oh like am, am I like <laughs> am, am I wrong here um, and you know questioning that like no we're not wrong um, and so I kind of I kind of validated like you know I I really didn't care what people thought uh, of me um, but it has felt good it has to like people to reach out and or like send me an article or someone sent me like a Reddit uh, form with, with my posts or articles and stuff. And like, feels good. Um, but ultimately like I'm, I'm so loud and, uh, you know, annoying about it, I guess to some, because I genuinely care about, about them and their future and, and want them to be successful. Like I'm not, so I think some people who don't really understand how big this is, they think I'm doing out of my self-interest. I'm like, mm. dude, your thousand dollars hell if you had a few million your million dollars aren't pumping my bags man like that ha that happens to me so much dude like be, be, be exactly the same thing they're like yo yeah you exactly you you want me to pump your bags and i'm like yeah the trillion dollar asset's gonna give a fuck about your you know 25 dollar dca bro oh man yeah yeah it's, it's pretty funny um yeah but I don't know. So what, you know, are, are you still doing that manual labor and stacking and, and just writing? Is that the, is that the plan for right now? Or do you have, you know, other immediate term ambitions for yourself? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm part-time right now with Bitcoin magazine, but I'm scaling up. Um, it's awesome. The team's great. Um, it seems great, excited. man. They, 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 keep, they seems like they keep putting on, on board, like more awesome plebs every day. It's incredible. Yeah, we got a team of plebs for sure, um, and we're we're loading up for Bitcoin twenty twenty one, which is going to be awesome. You're yeah. you're a host, right? I can't I can't wait, man. It's going to be dope. Meet everybody, hang out. It's going to be thousands awesome. upon thousands of people. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be unreal. Um, so yeah, we're really scaling up for that. Um, I haven't I haven't been doing as much of the manual labor stuff, but um, my, we have our family has a sugaring a maple sugaring operation. Um, so I, How I was cliche. doing that. <laughs> Vermont yeah. maple syrup thing. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's great. Um, we, uh, we sell our liquid gold for digital gold. 
Amazing. Um, but company treasury yeah. on on the Bitcoin standard, or for sure, yeah, hundred percent. Nice. Um, yeah, and the parents uh, thought I was thought I was a little crazy for for a little. I mean, I would they would buy just because um, you know they they trusted me, but weren't weren't all in. But now are now we're all in. My parents listened to Michael Saylor's pods and all that, and I sent him I sent him your pod with them, and so they're loving it um they're they're super like they tell me they're they're proud of me which which feels great um but yeah i mean i'm just just a just a humble pleb man i mean just a small part in this in this space and there's so many people doing crazy things and you know me just writing an occasional article and and helping like out a small business is is you know just a small part of what's happening here 100 percent. it's so when when your friends and your family start to get it it's such an enjoyable experience right because like like you said i mean i was and am perfectly willing to be on an island here with my conviction in this thing like i've i i know i've done the work and i've you know done the requisite studying and all that kind of stuff and i've poked holes in my own arguments like i I have the highest possible conviction someone can have about something, I'm pretty sure, right? So I'm not going to waver on that, but it you know, feels great when other people in your immediate environment start to see it, right? And you can kind of connect on that level and you can have those discussions and it just makes it all more enjoyable, right? Because, you know, as much as you're happy to blaze your own trail, I mean, it's usually more fun to do things together, right? 100%. I think, I think it's pretty funny that like the average skeptic or just like, you know, a family member, friend who you talk to this about, I think they underestimate how much Bitcoiners, how much you, how much I like think about this thing. You know, it's like <laughs> literally I think they'd about be terrified if they really knew. That's <laughs> yeah, like you're a psycho. <laughs> you know, it's like any argument, anything that you've thought about, we've thought about it for a thousand times more and a thousand times longer. So um yeah, I mean it definitely feels good to to have family members and friends and everyone along for the trip and i think i mean everyone is going to be everyone's going to have bitcoin i mean it's a matter of how fast you can drop your ego and or how you know if you're willing to learn um like you don't have i think the the safety in quote it's uh um in his book it's one of my favorite ever it's um like you cannot insulate yourself from others holding money that's harder than your own mm. um i think that's that's really hard to explain um to to someone that has no idea about economics or about you know um monet yeah monetary economics it, it's it's a hard concept to explain like you don't have a choice mm -hmm. whether to adopt this thing um so i'm trying to help you but uh, uh economic reality is going to be you know it's going to exert itself yeah it's, it's not something that you can choose to ignore yeah it's it's a now or later thing and like why not now you stand to benefit but like you said i mean i mean i think ego is a massive part of <clears throat> this whole thing and and how people come into it and you know you, you have you have to be humble to have an open enough mind to think that you don't have it all sorted out which seems like a given but a lot of people don't operate that way uh and then you know you're going to be humbled uh all the time in this space right because things move so quickly there's so many smart people in this space there's so many aspects of this to understand and by default meaning you don't understand whether they be technical or economic or whatever whatever so, you know, and especially if you're going to try to start expressing yourself in the space, like, you know, you're going to like you with your articles, like you put stuff out, 
And I'm sure you occasionally get feedback, like, you know, maybe you miss this angle of things or whatever. And instead of being like upset about that, you're probably like, oh, sweet, thanks. You know, like that, that, that broadened my perspective on, on what I'm trying to understand here. And I can integrate that and, you know, keep pushing forward. But it takes a, it takes an underlying deeper level of conf, you know, I think ego is ultimately insecurity, right? So it takes confidence to, to be able to humble yourself before a given topic or people while maintaining the courage to mix it up with those same people. And that's, I, you know, that, that's the theme of a lot of people coming into the space, especially as it exists on Twitter and, and get a bit turned off and they just completely misinterpret what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, I recently, like, I don't know, there's, there's people like, like Raul or like some, some shit coiners are like, Oh, closed minded maxis. It's like, I don't know if I've ever met a group of more open-minded people where like yeah. evaluate literally everything. Like, for example, like Sailor came in and he was like, all right, we looked at gold, we looked at real estate, we looked at stocks, we looked at, and uh, nothing else made sense. Um, and so we arrived at this conclusion and we're going all in. Um, it's not a hedge. It's not like that we figured it out. Um, we're not closed-minded at all. We're actually open-minded. Um, nothing else makes sense. <laughs> the entire financial systems based on yields of real yields that are negative uh the bond market's 100 trillion dollars and it's an absolute like bitcoin's a ponzi no it's not uh the bond market's a ponzi <laughs> like the indexed stock market is a ponzi uh this is not um and so we like i'd say we're probably or we uh, there's no collective uh bitcoin maximalists are are open-minded and we've came to evaluate everything um and like for some people that's that's tough to i don't know come to terms with yeah it's i, I guess some people have a trickier time distinguishing between finding something of truth and value and just having your mind so open that everything is almost the same you know like you do have to focus in on things that are of greater truth and value and it's okay once you know once you've done the work to do that to do so at the exclusion of other things of lesser truth or value, right? Like that just kind of makes sense, you know? And if you're going to, it's just going to toe the line of like, well, I'm going to be as open-minded as possible forever. Well, forever, then you're never, you're never going to be able to focus enough on something to go deep enough in it to really extract all the, the latent value that might exist within it. So, yeah, you know, I know everyone listening has plenty of examples of, of those type of people. I think they'll come around eventually once they get, burn or once they see the benefits of uh you know the the alternative approach speaking of which you know one of the topics i love to discuss on this podcast is how bitcoin changes people um i think there's a lot wrapped up in that but i'd be interested in knowing like especially with someone you know as as young as you are so presumably like kind of still in a developmental stage of of your life even though I'm, you know i know in high school you have a pretty you know, strong sense of your own identity, but how has interacting with this thing influenced who you are? Um, a crazy amount. I mean, it's like, as you mentioned, like still, still super young. So it, it almost feels like, like, I, it's like hard to remember what I was, you know, how I thought or what I was like before. Um, but like crazy about like the time preference of, of when you kind of understand Bitcoin, the time preference or individually is like, it's lowered forever. Like I, I think about leaving, leaving wealth down to kids and grandkids that I don't even have yet with a, with a family <laughs> that I haven't even, you know, 
like that that in itself and the ability to to think you know across generations is 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 crazy um and like because as a like as a second order effect of that i i want to treat my body right i want to treat my mind right like all of these things um it it really like instead of thinking on a hourly daily weekly basis a lot of times when i when i make decisions or evaluate what what's best for me i'm thinking on a, a yearly like a decade level uh time span and um before bitcoin that it just wasn't possible for me um or you know for for really anybody especially after you you, you save saving this medium for two two three four years a cycle you have capital it's not you're not on a rat race or don't need to be um that's that's something that that's super powerful um and i think it's it's not something that can be conveyed over over speech or a podcast you actually have to do it you have to live it and when when you do it's 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 crazy yeah what do you think it is because uh, i think most people can appreciate that uh, you know, you have an asset that won't degrade over time. And so this allows your perception or your planning to be pushed out further into the future, i.e., you know, you're, well, so it, so it, you're, it allows for a longer time preference, right? Or lower time preference. But why do you think it is that it inspires a, lo a lower time preference? Like, what is it? Why are you concerned now about your grandkids? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why is that a greater care just because you now can, you do have the means of actually supporting them and making sure things are, are set up properly for them? That, that's, a, that's a damn good question. And I don't know if, uh, if I'm equipped to, to answer that. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's something, I don't know. It's something like that's just in, in our wiring, I think, like subconsciously, the incentives of this of this protocol and I don't know it just for me it, it kind of rewired rewired my thinking without even I mean I think about it all day every day um but yeah just the the fact that you can save in a medium that can't degrade and actually with with productivity increases appreciates over time and, and purchasing power um it's that's like very um different than anything we've had before um and I think it's it's hard to convey to to normal people, or I guess, you know, people that aren't fully down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, like how important money is as a coordination function for the entire civilization. I mean, when when you're like that Bitcoin guy that no matter what the talk is, you're you bring up Bitcoin and people are like, oh, well, no, I mean everything's a function of money, and the coordination function that money serves is. You know, it has a, the second order effects, third order effects of that are everywhere, literally touch everything. Um, and so when you have this, the sound money protocol, the sound money layer, it, it does literally change everything. So, I mean, to answer your question, I don't know if I can, it's like, that's really tough. I think it's a personal experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, something, there's something there for sure. And it's, it's mm. really special. Yeah. You, it's a funny point you bring up. Because it's so true. I mean, money touches everything, right? Damn near everything, especially in the sphere of interaction with other people. You know, the, like the, the idea and representation of value is almost ever present, really. Uh, and as a result of that, if 
if you're seeing problems that are a result of the current mechanism, then presumably the upgraded mechanism, i.e. Bitcoin, will be a re relevant to the solution to that problem. And so like when I'm having dinner with people and they're talking about something, you know, totally not related to the money, economics or whatever, and they're like, what do you think, John? And I'm like, I hate to say it, guys, <laughs> this does actually relate to Bitcoin. Um, but, See the you know, with an orange, orange tint. Yeah, exactly. But on the, you know, I know it's a tough question, but I guess another way of framing it is like, now that you are able to delay gratification, right? So the money doesn't degrade, your savings don't degrade. Uh, and there's an, there's a benefit to doing so because the value of, of delaying gratification is, is that the, the means with which you'd satisfy the gratification, i.e. your capital is appreciating especially right now quite rapidly so that's a disincentive to gratify yourself by deploying your capital right so maybe that's the whole story but do you think there's another element to this like why this thing that dramatically extends out your perception of time and and through your money which is the accumulation of your work and your sacrifice being able to extend that out so much further into time does that change the nature of how you are subject to your impulses to gratify yourself, whether that be, you know, through diet, through certain emotional needs, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I think, I think everyone has like two um, there, there's like two levels to your journey um, and with stacking it's okay. I'm going to, or maybe, maybe multiple, um, but it's okay. I'll, I'll buy some. And then it's, okay, I'll average in DCA. And then there's that moment where it clicks where the opportunity cost of everything is Bitcoin, of everything. And so when you have that moment and that realization of the opportunity cost of everything I consume, of everything I buy, of whatever it is, is, is this, this money, this capital that's going to appreciate forever. Bitcoin will pump forever. <laughs> um, I love that, love that phrase. Um, it's it's something that that fundamentally alters your worldview, um, and I think that's a moment that you can you can tell people that, but they don't really natively. It's it's tough to understand and comprehend, um, but when you when you understand that, um, it's it's really powerful. Um, like for me, it was like one of the biggest moments was the opportunity cost of college. Never mind the fact that I can learn everything that that I really love for free. Um, your podcast, everyone else that's putting out a podcast, everybody that's some of the smartest people in the world that are posting all this stuff on Twitter for free, that are posting all this stuff on all these platforms for free. I can consume that and learn. Um, but never mind that, like the opportunity cost of being in school is that I couldn't have a job or I couldn't work full time. I couldn't do all this stuff. That's an opportunity cost. Consumption is an opportunity cost. Other investments is an opportunity cost. Um, and that's something that even I would say like people in this space haven't, some of them haven't come to grips with that. Literally everything is the opportunity cost of it is, is SATs. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that has to be your unit of measure or else you're not seeing the world for what it is. Yeah. And the, the, the tricky thing about that is the more, well, not tricky. I mean, it could be maybe the great thing about it, but is the more you understand Bitcoin, right? Like the further you go down that rabbit hole and the more valuable it is in your mind, 
the contrast between that value and the value proposition of anything that you might deploy capital to acquire or to consume, I mean, it, it's like it's it melts away pretty much every, I mean, this is the point. I, I think I asked Sailor a similar question and I liked his answer. And I, I think like when the, the value proposition is such that you have one thing on this side that is of extreme long-term and rapidly increasing value. And then you have this thing over here, which is like a new PlayStation game or like a new you know pair of jeans or a new couch or whatever. Like it's really hard to make the decision for the latter, right? So I think it becomes the reason why I think Bitcoiners like have pared down their life so dramatically is because like the only way that that you can answer that value proposition or that that question is things of necessity. Like, okay, well, I need it. So I need if I truly need it, then I obviously it's not really a question. I have to deploy capital to get it. Or things that you love or find beautiful. Right. Like because those those love and, and beauty are like transcendent, right? They transcend the normal domain of just economic calculation and, and that that type of value. So in, in in that case, like if you truly love something, you truly find something beautiful, then maybe that can overcome, you know, the extreme economic value that you're you ascribe to what Bitcoin is. But other than that. You know, it's, it's an impossible, the question always just defaults to the Bitcoin, you know, winning out in between the two. And I think that's why we see a pairing down of, of people in the space to things that are of extreme value to them and avoiding or ignoring stuff that uh, is frivolous. Totally. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't even know. It's like it's it's like i mean i could i could talk about this for literally i think it i mean you talk about it every day like i could talk about this for 24 hours a day and like nonstop. <laughs> um just just fundamentally like like how different are you when, when was your you know orange pill moment and and how and how drastically has your life changed my my true orange pill moment was because it was such a progression for a while, but it was probably 2018 where the, like it really dropped for me. Like before that, I just thought like, yeah, maybe it'll work. And yeah, I'll, I'll like make an allocation to it. I, in 2014, I, I bought my first little bit. Um, but that's when like it really dropped. And then, you know, one, once you cross the event horizon of the rabbit hole, then it's, it just accelerates from there, right? Like once it clicks, you just, it, it's crazy. Um, I already had like a lot of the underpinnings that characterize like, you know, the stereotypical Bitcoiner today. Like I was always kind of a contrarian. I always, you know, wanted to make up my own mind about things. I always educated myself versus, you know, relying on other institutions. Always super frugal. You know, I remember like I was going to go buy a PlayStation 2, like when I was in high school or something like that. It was at Walmart and I was, I hummed and hawed on it for like 30 minutes, right? I like decided like, no, fuck it. I want to play uh, GTA three vice city or whatever it was called. I'm going to go to Walmart and get it. And I go there and I stand in the electronic section for like 30 minutes, just being like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I decided it wasn't. And I left and, you know, kept, kept the money, right. Cause I was lawn mowing or whatever to save money. So, but it is the case that like, it's increasingly hard to relate to, 
the perspective I had before going down the rabbit hole, even though like there hasn't been that many overt changes, but like the fact that it changes your perception of the future, that alone will dramatically reorient your, your perspective and your consciousness, right? Because like, you know, the, what I usually say the most is that even though I had a lot of the, the kind of hallmarks and the search for truth and curiosity and that kind of stuff, I didn't have that much hope for what the future looked like. And there was, so there was definitely an element of despair in my personality and that can lead you to, to wandering and being somewhat aimless and being somewhat non-committal to things and, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, seeing with increasing clarity, what kind of future will be built upon uh, Bitcoin that just re you know, one, the power of hope is just tremendous and it reinvigorates your, your perspective in so many different ways. And, um, and it, and it, and it focuses your attention and your energy in a way that previously, you know, I'd never experienced. So that's the biggest thing for me. I mean, just having that excitement and that enthusiasm, that energy. So, and, and like, I was always looking for the thing, right? Like I always knew there was something out there that would make all of this that doesn't make sense, make sense. Right. And I, and I saw it like I've been very interested in the psychedelic domain and there's definitely a very fascinating truth there. Uh, but it wasn't like the solution. It was a very, you know, it's very, very interesting. And I still think it is, but it didn't come back to the, 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 the real world and affect, you know, large scale, broad systemic sort of change that made everything congruent. Um, and this thing did right? Like this thing makes so much sense and it makes all the things that I was feeling previously just click. Um, and it feels perfectly congruent to the point where, I, you know, it's, it's so easy to, um, to commit to it, right? Because it just feels so right. And it ticks all the boxes and, you know, people might hear that and be like, are you letting yourself get carried away with it? And like, like you said, like we challenge ourselves with this all the time, but I'm not going to stop myself from getting character, uh, carried away with it just because I'm afraid of that happening. Like I'll keep challenging it and I'll keep leaving myself open to criticism and challenging and, and, and uh, whatever. But, you know, I, I think this is, this is, this is true and real. And if you were waiting for a moment <clears throat> to let, you know, you're, who you genuinely are like rip to let it fly and just, you know, see what happens, put your energy behind something and express yourself in a truthful manner. Then this is probably, this is probably that chance. This is probably that opportunity. And I don't think, you know, I don't think it'll come again, at least not in this form. Like we're, we're right at the beginning stages of this thing. And we have an opportunity to benefit from that and also contribute in a unique way. In 20 years time, I think people will be, you know, free to the extent that, thankfully they'll be able to express themselves and they won't have to get on the hamster wheel and they won't have to make all these concessions about who they are just to fit into some box to support themselves and put a roof over them he their heads but they also won't have the opportunity to be at the foundational days of this thing and and contribute and benefit in that way so you know i'm i'm more than happy just to let my freak flag fly and and, and see what happens you know yeah i mean it's it's more than just like the the economic cost and the, like the opportunity cost or like trade-offs with your future self there's that aspect which is is mind-blowing and, and it fundamentally changes you when you understand that but there's also like the world we're living in now is increasingly like 
like i i don't want to live in a panopticon i don't want to live in it you know and a neo communist digital world like cbdc's vaccine passports all of this stuff find me a better solution to fighting this tyranny than bitcoin mm. like there isn't one and and so whether like you know there's there's people that come in and it's like it's just a finance thing it's like oh you know portfolio allocation it's like okay that's cool you know a pension fund added exposure but for me it's like you know in a in a world where more and more it's this you know new world order and you have the world economic forum saying you know you'll own nothing and be happy it's like no okay i mean i'll own I'll own my UTXOs and I'll be super happy and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll go where it's treated, like wherever I'm treated best. And I, you know, and I won't be subject to anyone, you know, to any tyrannical global body. Like I'll be a sovereign individual and I'm going to try to help empower as many people as possible to be a sovereign individual with me, because that's the world that I want to live in. So, you know, like we're here, we're speaking up, we're helping everybody get get on this this lifeboat not only like economically like oh buy bitcoin and you'll be rich like no like buy bitcoin and you'll be free and that's that's really like one of the reasons that i'm so passionate about it it's what world do you want you like what world do you want to live in what world do you want your kid to live in and we at are at an inflection point where like i agree with you i think bitcoin's already won um and i think you know that no one is is important enough where Bitcoin will fail. And I think that's that's pretty obvious where it doesn't matter. Like, not that what we're doing doesn't matter. I think it does. But I don't think there's anything that could, at this point, kill Bitcoin. I think um, truth and freedom rings um, and information is unstoppable. And for all those reasons and the incentive structure of this protocol, it's already won. The rest the world just hasn't come to, to realize that yet or at least not everyone but us. <laughs> um, but yeah, the reason that I'm so passionate about it is not like, like if this was like a hot stock, if I'm pitching Amazon stock in 22, uh, 2002, it's not like, oh, you know, and buy this, it's going to go up. It's like, no, it's much more than financial opportunity. It's the freedom of, of our world is, is at stake. And there's no alternative that I've seen. I don't know if if you've seen anything else besides Bitcoin and, and what this means for our world? 100%, dude. I mean, before Bitcoin, I thought like, I didn't think gold was a solution. I thought it was the only way you could protect yourself. But I certainly didn't think, you know, like all the gold bugs think going back to a gold standard is somehow going to fix all of our problems, which is just basically retarded. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's so much more than just uh, protecting and growing your wealth. And like, what I think is happening here, uh, and everyone's, you know, you said like there is no we, you know, it's not a collective. And I know what you mean, but there is obviously a lot of similarities in the ethos and the principles and the values that are emerging as a result of one, interacting with this protocol and two, interacting with other people that are interacting with this protocol. Like that is very clear to me. And so there is obviously a culture emerging, right? So, and how what would it look like if it looked like a new culture was emerging right it would look like this mm -hmm. it would look like these people are coming together and converging on this like you know truth or underlying um system or foundation and then as a result of doing that through 
you know, millions of interactions and the sharing and battling of ideas, certain ones would float to the top and people would understand them and integrate them, act them out, refine them and continue that process ad infinitum until mm -hmm. the, the, the culture got more and more clear to more and more people, sucked more and more people in. And that process just kept repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. So right now, Bitcoin is, you know, some people characterize it as a cult. Some people, you know, some people say it more, I think more accurately as a counterculture, but all a counterculture is, is like the thing vying to be the dominant culture. And a counterculture is like, you know, like a, like a little a sapling or a seedling that's trying to be the big dog. And, you know, if it, if it can't do it, it can't do it and, it and it dies off. If it can't compete with the dominant culture, if it doesn't have what it takes to basically take hold in people's minds and become their dominant framework and their dominant perspective, then it goes away. And, you know, everything I can see from, from Bitcoin, one, I'm incredibly, um, you know, pumped at what this culture is representing. I mean, I know you see it too, like all these interactions that we have with other Bitcoiners and other people in the space. I mean, there's such powerful relationships and there's, there's so much like, there's so much respect. There's so much love. Is it like, it's just incredible. Right. And there's some, the, the principles and values that surround all that are, are being felt and expressed by so many people. And so I think what's happening is we're seeing a, a counterculture uh, grow and grow and grow to ultimately compete and vie for the spot of dominant culture. And I think that's going to happen. The, 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 the question is just when. And so the, to the degree that we are feeding into that and to some very small degree stewarding that culture and, and, and being involved in that process of refinement without having a, an end in mind, but just saying like, this is where I'm currently at. This is what I'm currently feeling. These are my current ideas push them all out, have them do battle, reintegrate the results. Like the fact that we're, we're just a part of that organism that's doing that is important, right? So each of us are important and, and we're not important simultaneously. And I think it's, um, I agree, there's like, there's no better, I, I just think it's phenomenal what's being, what's being built here. And it's not just going to be a financial revolution. It's going to be a cultural revolution as well. And I think that is sorely needed because man, if you needed, you know, any signs that there was a culture in decline, I think the world in 2021 can give you pretty much a infinite number of examples. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like to think and, and say that the hyper Bitcoinization isn't, isn't an end result. It's a, it's a ongoing process and we're living mm -hmm. through it. Um, and, and how it affects every individual, how it affects culture and society at large. I mean, 99% of people don't, 99.9% .9 of people don't understand Bitcoin, even if you own it, you know, a majority of people have, have no idea um, yeah. just how, how revolutionary this is and how it literally is going to, to program a civilization. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to think about that there's this computer code that was dropped on the, on the earth, on the planet by this pseudonymous actor. And it's going around and, and literally rewiring and reorganizing all of all eventually all of humanity's thought process, brain, incentives, everything. I mean that completely that is it's, <laughs> it's completely nuts. It just, just yeah, framing it like that is is wild. Um, it's yeah, it's it's really hard to articulate just how insane that is. Um, you know, like you dedicate 
dedicated your life. I've dedicated my life to not only teaching people about this, but exchanging your time, your, your most valuable resource for, you know, for UTXOs on the Bitcoin, Bitcoin protocol. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to comprehend. It's hard to articulate just how revolutionary this is and, and yeah, and how much this is needed because there is a culture in decay. And I think, especially my generation, just not knowing anything different is, is the thing that like, I would say is, is uh, like misunderstood the most is that we don't, we like before Bitcoin and before I kind of, kind of woke up and I started, like, I had no interest in history. I had no interest in a lot of things. And after I started to dig deeper and deeper into the Bitcoin rabbit hole, I was like, okay, I need to read some history. And I read monetary history at first. And then I read um, with like the sovereign individual goes back, you know, decade uh, centuries um, and a lot of other books and I, I really started to realize that like what we're living through now isn't considered normal I mean there are cycles throughout history but the nihilism the just everything that seems so backwards in the world today it's like not normal um, it's you know we're going through some sort of fourth turning here at a cultural level at an economic level at a political level there's so many things that are that are happening and it feels like everything is is coming together at a head and and bitcoin is is at the center of it all even if people don't realize that yeah bitcoin's like gandalf just slamming down the his cane <laughs> being like you shall not pass you know yeah it's, but it, it, it it's true man and and like this is the thing that bugs me about uh, so many of the conversation i have with people in in normie world is you know if you, if you haven't read history uh, and if you haven't studied historical periods and if you don't have an, that kind of appreciation, how can you contextualize at all your current, the current status quo? Because it's hard enough to look outside of the status quo, even for us, right? Because you're in the eye of the storm, you're conditioned by everything that's going on. And the fact that things are the way they are kind of conveys a sense that that's the way they should be, right? That's the intoxicating effect of the status quo. So if you're at all going to be able to step outside of that and assess it with any obje objectivity whatsoever, you need the historical context, the context to say, like, when have we seen these things before? What processes are, are, are at play? What psychology is what's what's psychology is characterizing the zeitgeist of the times? Like all that kind of stuff you need to know if you're going to if you're going to really have a, a objective perception of all this. And so few people have that, you know, and, and like you said, like now we're in a period where a lot of this stuff is coming to a head and it's converging. And there are periods in the past where that has happened. And there are, you know, and if you are aware of that, there are warning signs that, that should be going off in a lot of ways in what's happening right now. And for the vast majority of people, they are not. And they, they just um, accept it as, as the way things are and, and you know, have a, a relativism about everything. Everything can be justified. And, you know, that's dangerous and there's not much we can do about that other than continue doing what we're doing, you know, like feed into Bitcoin, use it in our own lives to, to make ourselves stronger and more resilient and more prepared for what's to come and hopefully live lives that appeal to other people and to make them say like, hey, what, why are you so engaged and why are you so like motivated, and enthusiastic and excited about things? Like, I want a piece of that, you know, that appeals to everybody, no matter what you know part of the spectrum you're on so that you know because 
because we got you know there's there's a lot going on as you know and uh, thank god for bitcoin i guess is the moral of that story <laughs> yeah i mean just like one of the things that was a, a big eye opener for me was was when i dug into history and i and i read about um i think like the the great depression and in, in the 1930s but it was more of kind of the end of of a of a that super cycle there um and it was talking about how the polarization of the populace and and how radical radical groups were were forming on the right and left because of these these wealth gaps and and society at large was was there was so much social unrest and all of this stuff where if you're looking at it you know up close with a microscope it's like the world's crazy and nothing makes sense and and everybody's upset and i'm mad and and upset and like but when you when you zoom out and you and you really kind of try to understand what's happening it's like everything's everything's a function of of the money the money's broken and we're at this we're at this cyclical inflection point and if you zoom out 100 years it happened there and it, it needs to be resolved and there was never something that like bitcoin that could you know resolve it to the extent that we think it like it's going to be resolved or we think it's going to be changed but yeah this is nothing new this is nothing new under the sun these the progressives and the like the aocs and the bernies of the world and you know global wealth tax and all this stuff the sovereign individual it's not even a book it's a prophecy i mean <laughs> like just like an understanding that there's there's a barrier for sure you got to do your homework you got to do your research but um understanding that the times we're living in it's it's just about human incentives and when there's something that warps human incentives to the extent that a broken monetary system warps everything the world's in disarray and so yeah uh <laughs> we're the annoying guys that say bitcoin fixes everything because it does yeah amen well dude uh this has been an awesome uh, conversation it's been great to connect with you finally and and uh, hear a bit of your story any Final comments before we shut it down? Uh, no, man, I, I really appreciate you having me on and uh, having this chat. It was a fun time. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, BTCization. Um, and uh, hoping to chat sometime again. Awesome, man. Well, look, keep up the awesome work. And uh, I guess I'll see you down in Miami for, uh, for an awesome time and maybe a few beers, something like that. Oh, yeah, brother. Peace. All right. See you, brother. Okay.